This one is worth the wait. Hi, I'm Dr. Rahman, and this is Black Women's Health, where we aim to showcase Black women, Black women who are rising, where we want to shine a positive light on Black women. Today, you will meet Rachel Nix, a multi-talented woman, an actor, a physical trainer, a mother, a doula, a Black woman who is helping other Black women to embrace motherhood and not go through their pregnancies, fearful of being dismissed, mistreated, or fearful of possibly dying in the process of giving birth. Join us in our conversation. Okay, so this is my story of how I found you. Okay. I knew that um, there was Black Maternal Health Week, and that was April 11th through the 17th. And I was thinking, I really would like to talk to a doula. I really would like to talk to a doula about why is there a need and, and how do you feel about things and just have a conversation. And I reached out to um, someone that I knew and I said, do you know, do you know any doulas that I could just talk with and maybe even bring them on the podcast? And she said, well, you know, I know a few, but let me get back in touch with you. I want to talk with them first. And I said, okay. And it never materialized. It never Mm -hmm. materialized. And then one day in the office, a woman came in and she shared that she was a masseuse. And she was telling me that she worked at Carrie Skin. Uh, Yeah. And Uh I said, oh, that's nice. And, um, and she went on about how the owner was very, very supportive of women and women in businesses and that we should talk and it would be a good connection. And I'm like, okay, well, I will definitely go to her website and see. Mm-hmm. And I went to the website and I was you know, looking for the site and then I saw something about birthqueen.org. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what that was, but it was a black woman and it said birth queen and da da da. And so I said, why don't I just see what it is? And it was your site. And I was just blown away. And then when I saw that you were a doula, I said, I can't resist. Right. I can't resist. I need to make this contact and just have a talk with you. So uh, let me just start off by saying that birthqueen.com org is a very impressive site thank you i poured love into it and i have a very talented web designer um but when we opened the call and you said it's divine intervention this is absolutely what's going down is divine um the crisis is is heavy but but the work and the fact that i was able to be convinced by spirit and friends alike to take the plunge and found my nonprofit um, is all just God. You know, I don't, I have two small kids, two other careers, um, and, um, but somehow I have found just the fumes and, and the passion to create change because I'm a person that just can't live in a hopeless place. And I, I choose joy even when it's not easy. Um, that is my commitment to myself. and to my boys, I think they keep me more committed to it even when those days are hard to choose it. 
um, because they deserve it. Um, but this summer, when I was pregnant with my second Baldwin, who turned seven months today, oh. he, I, I was ridden with anxiety attacks, like all through my third trimester. And everyone was just like blaming pregnancy, blaming the baby. And I was like, one day I just stopped. And I was like, I've been pregnant before. Like, this is not the baby. This is my stress about racism and bringing another black son into this world. Um, and so then I had a vision in September to maybe collect black birth stories. Cause my story is I'm born and raised Oakland, um, went to Juilliard for acting, graduated. I was an athlete as a child, like all through my childhood. Um, and then fitness found me. I didn't like seek it out. So then I became a trainer. Um, I started with yoga, then bar, then I just, you know, I'm a bit of a nerd. So I got like all the certifications and start teaching. And then when I was pregnant with my first, Mir found me, I like signed my contract a month before giving birth. Um, I became a doula years before becoming a mom. And then right before I had Samuel three and a half years ago, I got my lactation training because so many women were struggling with breastfeeding. And so I realized like growing up in Oakland, um, I was very blessed. Like the women I was around, the culture around birth was very positive. Um, you know, it was just like, you're a woman, you can do this. It's a beautiful experience. And then you'll breastfeed and that's beautiful. And yes, are there challenges, but overall everything was positive. And so it helped me mother from a confident place. I didn't have fear. I knew, you know, about because of that, what led me to be becoming a doula is I knew there were things that we could do better for sure in the birth space in this country, but I still held, had my power and my confidence within the system. Um, and I chose to have midwives and deliver in a hospital. But um, yeah, I just, so fast forward to September of 2020, I, I think my fear and my anxiety was like trying to Say, what can we do? So I said, okay, if I collect black birth stories, maybe that's it. So I'm up in the middle of the night on Instagram, like, would anybody give me their story, share their story? I had an outpouring of black women that were like, I'll share, I'll share, I'll share. Women that I would have never thought would share. Um, some pretty high profile women, some pretty private women that are professionals. So I was like, there's something here. Um, then I had my baby and then I was like, okay, it's still a pandemic and I have two small kids. I gotta deal with that for a second. But it was really to me, God preparing me for the next thing, which was my baby girl, as I call it. Cause I also was like, I'm not done having kids right after I Baldwin. And so I called birth queen, my baby girl. Um, <laughs> and so really what it is, is my me saying okay there is this crisis and i'm gonna fix it i can't solve racism i can't change the system i can provide a platform for people to come so my my super objective is birth queen will house be a landing page for resources for people who want to be a part of the solution or for black birthing people to find resources um, and simply to, for right now, what I'll do is raise money, um, and awareness about it, uh, the issue, and then disseminate the money to people already doing amazing work, right? Mm. Um, and provide mothers with education and support with, you know, doulas, lactation counselors, midwives, if they so choose, 
And then on the other side, also train and implement more Black birth workers into the space, um, midwife, doula, lactation. And I believe by hitting it from both sides, and I know I should, my friend corrects me. She's like, it's not just your belief, it's a fact. Um, you know, by doing this, there will be more positive outcomes. And the biggest thing for me is this narrative of Black people having to survive. I'm very tired of that. Um, I'm not into it. I believe we, the baseline is survival, right? Other people don't have to worry about surviving their day the way Black people have to worry about it. And I want Black women to enter this, this beautiful journey that's already anxiety producing, empowered to have a beautiful experience and thrive. And if mommy thrives, baby thrives, and we can hopefully start to cut some of this you know, you know, generational and cyclical trauma that Black people have to endure on a daily basis. And so the reason I call it birth queen is because I hear it as a mantra. Every woman has the ability to birth, right, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. And when you become a mother, you're crowned as a queen, you're a birth queen. And I hear it, you know, if I were to tell you birth queen, and connect to the queen in you and your power and reconnecting black people to our abundance and our joy from mother Africa. So that's, that's like the big vision. And there's a whole lot of other fun and creative pieces. But what's so crazy about the spa piece is the marketing woman can, um, that now is working there, she has a mirror. And so we connected during her pregnancy through the pandemic she was working at a different spa and we we developed an Instagram friendship over skincare and what was safe because we were both pregnant and fitness and all of that. And then she now is, uh, is it Kari or Kari? I want to call it Kari. I think um, it's Kari, yes. Kari, yeah. And, and Tirza, the owner, she's like, she's dope. She's amazing. She's like got an anti-bullying policy mm -hmm. and she just really wants to create change. And so for Black Maternal Health Week, they were going to post about birth queen for me. But we said, you know what? Why can't we get beyond, you know, medical practitioners or birth practitioners? Why don't we get everybody on board? Spas, right? Why can't spas offer services, you know, massage or facial to these Black women so that they can feel beautiful and cared for. So it's not just the birth, right? It's not just prenatal care. It's like just feeling beautiful, um, which is also every woman's right to do, and it shouldn't be a luxury that's unattainable. Um, so yeah, so we're in talks. So when you email me, I text Kim like, what? Hold on a second. Because literally, girl, we were like, we've got to connect with like, you know, the the birth community in Philly. Mm -hmm. And so they walked away like, okay, we're going to go try to connect to some Philly birth people and we'll get back to you and then we'll put something together to, you know, support wow. Black mothers in Philly. And then you emailed me. Amazing. <laughs> like okay. literally we had this call. I think you emailed me maybe the day after we talked. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. 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 So it was really crazy. Yeah. That's, that's hard to explain you know? Right. That's when you kind of look up like yeah, something the bigger at work. <laughs> of that is, is really incredible. But yeah. You said a lot. I, I need you. I know. Sorry. That's <laughs> yeah, right. go I back. I need you to go back a little bit. You said uh -huh. that you were, um, you went to Juilliard. You, you're an actor. 
Yeah, I'm an actor. I'm a Juilliard trained actor. And then you got um, into physical <laughs> fitness, fitness. And, and that yeah. led you to providing care for pregnant women. And that was uh-huh. the that was the gateway into this whole birthing aspect. Yeah. So what it was was okay. So I was the little girl that like always wanted to be a mommy. Like I was quintessential little girl who swallowed swaddled her babies and like had the stroller and like I knew I was gonna get married and have babies like that was me Uh um so there's that um and then yeah so when I became when I started teaching fitness yoga and everything else so many of my students were women and women become mothers (laughs) they are pregnant and then they're postpartum and I was always like I never felt like I had enough information and so I, I started just seeking out more information to confidently and accurately support their bodies during this chapter of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of was it. I was also, you know, in a relationship, we were talking about having kids and I was just kind of doing a deep dive. I watched the business of being born. I wasn't still sure what a doula was, um, but I just got so passionate and I think irritated that in the fitness space, women during these chapters of life were being ignored in the in the classroom or saying, oh, you're fine or just keep doing what you're doing or when they get back, you know, so shy as they're healing and all of that. So I just made it my business to make them feel safe, you know, and feel supported um, from a fitness standpoint. Then when I add the doula and everything else, you know, what happened in New York, because I was in New York teaching mm-hmm. is, women could tell, like, it wasn't like I was announcing that I knew all this stuff and had extra training. They just were like, I could tell you just talk to me different. You touch me different. Like when I correct them, there was a different confidence, right? Okay. So your mindset was that you should definitely continue exercise, whatever that is, yoga during your pregnancy, but you felt that they should modify it somehow or that there was something different as a result they needed to modify so i think too we're very obsessed and you get this right with the pregnant woman and then i don't know if you're a mom but like after that mom just kind of gets tossed in the trash and it's all about the baby and so really postpartum is the most vulnerable time in a woman's like physical body um and you need to rebuild safely and accurately so there's a huge issue with incontinence right now that women started to make a joke about, you know, oh, I just put on my black leggings and I pee when I run. And I'd be like, what? Like, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I was like obsessed with the pelvic floor as a trainer years before being a mom. Like, and so I was like, I even did this like fancy competition for women's health. I was on the cover and like my story was you know, the pelvic floor and Kegels. And, That's and people were like, what? Yeah, and even yeah. in my, I tell them, I'm like, men have pelvic floors, women have Absolutely. pelvic floors. And it's Absolutely. the base of your strength. And I, you I have to understand you. that. I think that's one of the things that often gets ignored, the pelvic floor. And yes. every woman of every age needs to know about it. It helps Correct. with sexual activity. It helps after delivery. It helps when she's older and postmenopausal. There's never a time mm-hmm. when the pelvic mm-hmm. floor is not important. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So based on that, you said, I need to be a doula? <laughs> so I think, what I don't know, like, 
I think I was just like, okay, there's this thing called doula that was kind of cool. And I was talking about it a lot. And my boyfriend at the time, my now husband was like, oh my God, can you stop talking about it and just go do the training? <laughs> and so I did. And also as I was vacillating about it, a student of mine saw me reading one day before class and she's like, you're going to be my doula, go do the training. Oh. And I was like, okay. And um, it is the most, the best gift life has ever given me because as an actor, as a trainer, I'm as a big personality human being, I'm very much at the forefront of, you know, or on up front and center. And this was the first time in my life I got to be fully in service of someone else. Mm. Um, and it, I mean, you know, with delivering life, it is a, uh, a gift to be able to hold space, share space, at such a beautiful time in another person's life and truly just be there to make them feel empowered, to make them feel supported, um, to help them deal with their anxiety and their pain. Uh, it, it was just really, really special. And, I, and so I think part of why I'm immensely passionate about eradicating the Black maternal health crisis and improving maternal health care, period, for all women, because I've seen white privileged women mistreated as well, um, is because I'm like, we need to center mother again to this birth story. Like it is about her and she needs to feel safe and empowered to birth her baby. There's no one or right or wrong way of doing that, but we must center her and uplift and empower her. And that is not oftentimes what's happening um, and then I think as a result of women not feeling safe or empowered, it for sure affects their labor, but it, it, it colors their whole mother mothering, right? They start second guessing everything. Um, I have so many friends that like just question every choice they make in a day. And I'm like, what is this about? Right. Um, and I'm very blessed to be a confident mom, um, and, and not a guilt-ridden mother. I, I, I tell people and they think I'm joking, but I was like, I don't deal in mom guilt. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, all that stuff, it all kind of centered, it, it begins when, you know, pregnancy begins, con conceiving begins. You want a woman to be confident and, and feel beautiful during that process because it really does affect everything. So um, do you still work as a doula? I, I don't really have the bandwidth right now, time-wise, yes, to do that. that. Yeah, It's a real um, time commitment. It is. which So I absolutely understand how we were speaking about how, you know, people don't understand that babies don't come on a, when you want them to come. So as an OB, that's a challenging life, right, to try to juggle every day, just running in to catch babies when they decide to come mm -hmm. similarly with a doula midwife right it's like you never know um and so I I kind of consider myself and, and not, like a yeah and not only do you not know you are committing to being there for hours at a time oh yeah yeah absolutely. and so I was going to ask what do you do with your life how do you put your life on hold when yeah you're, when you're with a a pregnant woman who's going through a birthing process. 
Yeah, well, I did it like when I, I did like a couple after I had my first son and I, I'm not doing it now with two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, w- I think that's also why I decided to, I knew that when I became a doula, it probably wasn't going to be my everyday, right? Sure, sure. I was passionate about the tools, the wisdom and the knowledge because I use that in my training. I mm-hmm. use that in my friendships, right? And now I will inject that into my nonprofit. So I have the education, the tools, and the experience to make sure others, right, are supported and empowered on their journeys. And I think that was you probably also divine intervention that I'm I was gathering all the tools and, and resources I needed mm-hmm. to be as impactful as I can as I journeyed along um, both in my personal and my professional life. Um, and so, so yeah, so I think that that was what doulaing was for me. I know, you know, my doula, that is her life and her life's work, you know, okay. and she has six kids Oof. and she, Oof. that's her job and she figures it out. You know, she has a supportive partner and like team or like childcare whenever she need it, needs it to make sure that she can do that. But yeah, the, the women out here dueling and all of that it's intense but it's it's awesome it is i would love to hear your your perspective though as an ob like oh oh, you know i was going to get around to that because you said something to the effect that you asked women for their birth stories and you didn't say it but you implied that they weren't so great you know no some are good i wanted all birth stories yeah no Um, yeah yeah, I, I think the nature of OB, and this is what I say to people, I think the nature of OB has really changed. Mm-hmm. I, I came along during a time when the expectation was you're there during the pregnancy, doctor, you will deliver my baby mm-hmm. and I will see you at a six week postpartum check. And so what that does, it creates a relationship that has a beginning, a middle and an end. And you mm-hmm. actually watch a woman go through a major transformative event in her life. And you're mm-hmm. part of it, you know, mm-hmm. you're part of it. Um, but I don't get the sense that that's happening. And I think mm-hmm. there's a big disconnect between obstetrical patients and their OB. There's a disconnect. The other thing is that when I've gone outside of the country and I've seen births occurring women congregate around the birth correct you know and it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily um the mom it's just women that she connects with you know women in her tribe so to speak yeah they're there they sit with her they eat with her they support her through the process and these are places where a woman routinely doesn't get any type of anesthetic for a vaginal delivery but right. she makes it through based on the support, support. Yep. The support of women. And I think mm-hmm. that's missing in this country to a large degree. I don't mm-hmm. know because we may not live close to our families or we don't have that circle of support, you know, right. which is, I guess, the purpose or the void that the doula fills. Yes. 
And so any any other culture you see is like it was women's business, you know, for lack of a better. It, it's her tribe. And so you're you're supported. You're you're and and studies have shown like with a doula and it's also like feminine energy. There's just some something there. Right. They've done studies with a doula, like a woman who doesn't know another woman. Right. She's laboring in a room. A woman's just sitting in a chair you know, all the statistics, like interventions lower, attachments higher, breastfeeding rates higher, like all positive things. If the woman just holds her hand, even more positive outcomes. Now, if the woman then fully becomes her doula and they know each other, even more positive outcomes. So we we know this is how it's been done for generations. And so it got cut off when obstetrics hit the scene. Um, and we just lost a lot of ways of doing things that were really successful, you know? Um, and so it's not that anything an OB does is wrong or this person's bad and this is better. It's just that everyone, the way I like to say it is, everyone has a toolbox, right? And that everyone's toolbox should be at the party <laughs> and be utilized when necessary. But I also think in this country, we don't talk about birth. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, my baby's the size of a kumquat and then a banana and a pineapple. And then this is the stroller I'm going to buy. And this is what I'm going to dress them in. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about like birth, postpartum, postpartum, very important. The mother's healing process, breastfeeding. So you see really low rates of breastfeeding across the board, even for white women, let alone black women, you know, and it, and we don't have the support. We don't see it. We don't talk about it. There's so much fear and um, insecurity around it. And so it, it's, a, it's just sad. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. So my, my question yeah. is, I, it seemed, or it seemed to me in the past, that role was filled by the woman's mother or mm -hmm. her sister. Mm -hmm. And yes, the father was usually there, but another woman was also present at the delivery. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering where are the moms and where are the sisters that used to be the ones in labor and delivery? You know, right. what happened to them? Right. You know, it's a funny that you say that because my I was an 80s baby and my mom had me un, an unmedicated birth. I was a uh, she was induced and it took me four days to come out but uh, um, I know she was a very nice mom but uh, and I also have long long labors but um, she lost all her confidence in the room with my first son and was like are you sure you don't want to just listen to the doctor and do you know have them medicate you and I was like mom what I think she just was like it was so hard watching my baby be uncomfortable and in pain and I had mm -hmm. OP babies and a lot of back labor Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, my doula, my conviction about, you know, my situation, my education, I, I felt safe and I knew, I knew something was wrong though, because I saw both times. And this is when we get into the, the race piece. I think this happens with a lot of people, but I know a lot of black women are stalling, um, around four and five centimeters. And I believe Many of us are conscious of our fear of dying and some not. So if you would have asked me, were you afraid, you know, to die? Was the black maternal health crisis affecting you during your labor? I would have told you no. Mm -hmm. But after Baldwin, my second, 
I had a lot of bleeding, you know, they were in there checking things out, the whole forearm inside of me, the whole nine. They're like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I just had a baby. Your little arm is <laughs> no big deal. And I said to her, I said, do what you got to do. I just don't want to die. And so I was like, so it was a part, it was in me, right? And I saw it again during this labor, also an OP baby, but I wonder truly if part of, and, and for people who don't understand, like women's bodies need to create oxytocin to dilate, but black women are afraid they're going to die and therefore pumping adrenaline and cortisol, not dilating. So that's the part that's new to me. The fear yeah. of death yes, is, not something, is not something that I personally had expressed to me. And I delivered babies for a number of years. And I think part of it, I think part of it has to do with this country just started to account for maternal deaths. For mm -hmm. a number of years, you know, you know how the process works. Someone dies and a death yep. certificate has to be filled out. For right. a number of years, was she pregnant was never a question. So there was no documentation of maternal deaths. And mm -hmm. then someone said, you know, well, maybe we should do it. And since it's done at the level of the state and each state then sends the information to the CDC, the state left it up to each, I mean, the CDC left it up to each state to decide how are you going to document this? And so there really mm -hmm. wasn't a consistency. Do we talk about, um, did she die within the first six weeks or did she die within the year? And so there was this kind of disarray in mm -hmm. information as, it's, as it should have been provided. And so relatively recently, um, we're talking about uh, 2015 maybe, there yep. was more of a consistency of this yep. is how we want to report it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to pay attention to was she pregnant at the time or had she delivered within a certain period of time? And mm -hmm. I think as a result of documenting, people started to say, oh my goodness, look at this. Black mm -hmm. women are dying. But I think that was probably true all along. You know, mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. that the difference is now it's being documented and now it's showing us how bad our system is, you know, we mm -hmm. are a quote unquote developed country, mm -hmm. yet we have these abysmal maternal mortality rates. And there is this difference between black and white that we have a hard time explaining. Right. And I think people need to, you know, it's like we, we don't want to talk about slavery or like slavery's over, but with this topic, all of it, right? But very specifically in the 1860s when black women's black slave bodies were being practiced upon for C-sections without anesthesia, it was deduced that black women do not feel pain the way white women feel. Studies have shown today that that still holds true. I have a friend that's an attorney in New York City, you know, very well accomplished, plenty of letters, you know, degrees, whatever. Her ankle hurt, okay? And she went to four doctors before they were like, oh, you're, we'll treat you. She had to go to the doctor four times. 
because they're like, oh, you're fine. She's like, well, I'm not fine. <laughs> My ankle hurts. <laughs> like, why the hell would I show up at the doctor right, right. for no reason if that's my damn ankle didn't hurt? And so it's that simple, you know, because I think we're like trying to rationalize. And then there's a lot of this thing of it's like, oh, well, it's low income or it's BIPOC or it's immigrants. But I'm like, but when you say that, you're telling me that immigrants and poor people should die during childbirth? No. Well, yeah, yeah, it, you're right. One of the major complaints that Black women and I guess Black men to the same degree feel is that they get dismissed. Correct. When they um, encounter healthcare providers. Yep. But, but and, and the but I have is that you can only be dismissed if you allow yourself to be dismissed. Right. Yeah. And so right. you need... Either you need a certain level of confidence to say, no, I have a problem, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Or you mm -hmm. need someone with you that can say, you need to tend to this problem and we're not going anywhere until. And so it's a, there is a problem, there is a systemic problem, but you don't have to be accepting of it. And if there's yeah. anything, um, we need to know, we need to know that we have a right to speak up, you know, and yes. that can be intimidating. I mean, I'm not Correct. saying that yeah. it's always the easiest thing to do, but you don't have to say, okay, if it's not okay. Yeah. I mean, and I, and, and that goes back to, you know, a, a history of racism where black people are afraid they just want to survive. Right. And if you've got the man or the woman in the white coat telling you, then it, there is this, this power dynamic that's happening. And I think Black people sometimes are conscious of the effect it has on them and other times not, right? And so it's just really sad. I mean, like another example is when formula hit the market heavy in like the 70s, my aunt gave birth and that's when they were giving women shots to dry up their milk. And they didn't ask they didn't really ask her, they just gave her the shot. And my grandmother told her, well, you just do what the doctor says. Mm -hmm. So she's now in her mid seventies. And when she was around a lot with my firstborn and I breastfed, she, it makes me very emotional, but she had this longing look. Mm -hmm. And um, it's upsetting because she was robbed of that experience with her children. Um, and didn't know what was at play. You know, she didn't know these hospitals were being paid by formula companies and all of that stuff. And she was young and unwed and black. Um, and, and that kind of lack of confidence lives on today. So, I mean, I was just one of the programs I'm working with in Oakland, they had, a, you know, uh, the moms speak and, uh, three of them said that they were strongly considering termination had they not found this lovely program because they felt so judged and unsupported as black mothers. And, and it's what people need to understand is we just don't get a break as black people, you know? So now we're afraid we might die or our babies might die in childbirth. We also might be afraid of how we're going to provide, right? Because provisions and, and success financially as black people is much more challenging. Um, you know, and the higher you go, like people think it's only low income, but I have a lot of 
affluent mothers that are afraid to have babies or, or men, right? Because they're like, I don't have the bandwidth to bring in a baby and I can't risk losing my position or jeopardizing a promotion. Um, and so many affluent black people really don't have kids because of their jobs or don't breastfeed because they don't feel supported on the job and are afraid to ask. Um, I, on the other hand, am just kind of a wrecking ball and I don't ask, I tell. So if I need to pump or bring my baby to breastfeed, that's what I do because I need to feed my child. And that's just what it is. And I get that I'm not in some corporate this, that, or I don't, but I don't care what your profession is. If you have a child that needs to survive, like that's what it is. So people, yeah. people need to create the space for that. And so I think, you know, I was chosen, I'm following this path because it is simple for me, you know, like, it is very basic what women need and every woman deserves to have it. And so does their babies. Um, and I don't want any woman in fear and I am tired of black people living in fear and trauma. But then it's like, you know, I'm pregnant with my second black son going, oh my God, like we're out here being hunted by police. And, you know, it's a, it's a scary time. So I have two things to say about that before I want to get back to people knowing how they can interact with you more. But yes. the first is, uh, so let me preface this by saying a maternal death and especially a black maternal death is never a good thing. But we also need to uh, keep things in perspective Mm -hmm. Meaning that when you're looking at the number of maternal deaths, it's it's the ratio that they use is over the number of live births that occurred. Right. So the denominator is a hundred thousand births, live births, out of a hundred thousand live births, and I, I guess I'm using the statistics for Philadelphia. There were uh, about. 20 maternal deaths. Now that's 20 too many, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of death, but when you put it into perspective, that's a relatively small fraction. And so mm -hmm. while women need to be concerned and they do need to optimize their health, I think it is not realistic to think if I'm pregnant, I'm going I'm to die. die. Yeah, I think that's not I think you have to put it in perspective. I think there are a lot of other things that we deal with cardiovascular disease being one that we right. need to be as hypersensitive about. Correct. That, that's the first thing. The second thing, which is really interesting to me, is that when I was training and when I was delivering, um, women were starting to enter into OBGYN. There weren't a lot of black females. The color and the complexion of black OBGYNs is changing. It mm -hmm. is not unusual to find a female OBGYN, and it's not that unusual to see a black female OBGYN. And so I think that, yes, we have different, you know, playbooks, so to speak, but everyone is in this together. And it's the um, it's that us against them dynamic that just feels awkward to me, you know. Yeah, I have no, to absolutely. I have to protect myself from 
what that doctor might say or what that's going on. So I think the complexion and the sex of OBGYNs are changing. I think, yes, you need to be vigilant, you need to be proactive, but the odds are actually in your favor that you will not yes. lie in yes. the birthing process. Right, right, absolutely. And I, and I, and I a thousand percent agree with you. I think what I was realizing is that the, the fear was over, the fear has overcome black women. Yes. And I get it. I think it's more so too, it's not just the death, but the lack of trust yes. or comfort and yes. support. And that's really the issue. And then I think anytime you know that we have higher mortality rates, then sometimes the mind can cling on to that. Yes. Um, yes. But, but absolutely, it's like advocate for yourself. And I think that's what's a huge takeaway to hear an OB say, no, advocate for yourself, even if we don't make it comfortable. That is right. your right. right. Um, it is your body. And so yeah. that is what's really great. You know, if I had one takeaway to have like a medical professional that I'm speaking with, I'm like, listen, she told you that might not always be easy, but it is yes. absolutely what you must do. And that, yes, don't focus on the fear, the doom and the gloom, but the empowering of oneself yes. Yes. and change your situation. If you are with someone that you do not feel safe with or confident with, then then change it or always have an advocate with else. you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so again, um, tell people how they can use your service, how they can get involved, or if they want to have contact with you, what should they do? Okay, so I, I want everyone to know that they can be a part of the solution. Baseline, talk about the issue, um, you know, spread awareness because truly as it, it's of recent that we're like really opening our eyes to this problem, but there is a solution. So talking about it with a hopeful attitude and, also, please join my family, follow along at Birth Queen Org on Instagram. You can also go to Birth Queen Org and like, you know, sign up for newsletters as we grow. So you're a part of that solution. But I'm really thinking outside of the box. I want to build a directory of different networks. So if you're a provider, you know, if that's anywhere from a spa to an OB to a doula to a mental health professional to a nutritionist to a photographer that wants to donate a session to a mother. Um, all are welcome. And what I, what I pray is that I develop like a co ecosystem around the country of community so that black women are, you know, supported during pregnancy and postpartum in, in as many ways as I can possibly provide. Also, if you're a brand, you know, that has things that can be donated in kind, please let me know. Um, that's also something I'm doing, putting, you know, care packages of love together so mm -hmm. that every mom has like a box of her essentials for pre and postnatal. Um, and so, yeah, if you also can email me at Rachel at birth queen org. Um, and um, I'm like, just really excited. The growth, right. And money, you know, Money, money, money is always great. Things cost money. It costs money to have support. And I think that's what people should understand is like doulas and lactation, um, it's not covered, right? 
um, where some states are working on it being um, part of, you know, being yes. covered. Yes. But women really, there are so many more positive outcomes when a woman has a doula and when a woman is able to have lactation support to breastfeed her baby and that costs money. And so these are the things that we need money for. Um, we're also trying to make sure, you know, a lot of women live in food deserts. So we're trying to make sure women have access to healthy, nutritious food um, pre and postnatally. So, so yes, um, any things or services you can donate, and of course, money. Um, if you have advice, if you have connections, like I come one, come all. I have zero ego about this. Um, I'm very excited. I'm happy to share that. Like I might be speaking at this amazing summit with like global fancy UN people in September. I just got invited. I'm like, what? So um, it's just, it's, it's, I want us to focus on the joy and the, the, the hope and the abundance and, and not the death to your point. And that the odds are really in our favor when we advocate for self and are able to support and empower ourselves. And so I'm just here to provide that support and that empowerment so women can and, and their babies can thrive. And I just, I'm so glad you reached out and I would love to, I feel like we would have a good time grabbing a glass of wine. We would. Stronger. We <laughs> would. Um, I, it's, it's amazing. When I think how serendipitous the encounter was, you know, I just happened. Well, she happened to mention she was a massage therapist. Right. She happened to mention where she works. I happened to go to the website and your whatever that um, site, whatever that article was about you was no longer there because I went back to say, what exactly did I read? I can't find it now, you know? Oh, okay. So it was just in that moment that I yeah. saw the link and wow. And so- like I said, totally impressed with the work that you've done. Um, it's it's really question good. as an OB, like what would your solution be, or what would a solve be like to just kind of you sound open to doulas. Um, not, I think some OBs, I think there's work on both sides of like, sure. I think everyone needs to respect everyone's role and position sure. and understand that. Yeah. But like, what would your fix or your solve be so like, I think, from an OB perspective? Yeah, I think what um, I was trying to allude to is that it shouldn't be confrontational. Meaning yeah. the OB says, um, start the Pitocin and the mom looks at the doula and says, should I start the Pitocin? You know, and then there's like a debate about mm -hmm. who do I want to listen to or who do I trust? And uh -huh. my thought is we're all on the same team. You know, right. we all want a healthy baby and a healthy mom. So it's like, we need to see each other as a team and everyone, like you said, has a part to play. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because the OB is not going to be there 24 seven while you're laboring, you know, right. But right. that doula is. And so she will be able to assist in a way that the L&D nurse may not be able to do. Correct. And so it needs to be a collaboration and not feeling as though uh, on the doula side, I have to protect you from the doctor or from the doctor's side. 
everyone's questioning my orders, you know? Yeah. So now yeah. I'm feeling some kind of way, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it needs to be a better understanding and appreciation of a team effort, you know? But how do we get there, I guess? Like, that's, that's the... I think there's conversation and education, you know? And yep. I think it depends on how people present themselves, you know? Yep. Uh, yep. And that's on both sides. Doctors yep. and doulas and, 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 and everyone else that's involved in the care. So yeah. it needs to be, we recognize that there's a problem. Um, we recognize that there needs to be work done. And this is what I bring to the table and just respecting people for what they're doing. And if there is a difference of opinion, I would think, at least my experience has been, if I take the time to explain my thinking about why we should do X, Y, and C, patients tend to be more compliant versus my saying, let's do this. And they're like, what, why, how come, you know, yeah. what's, what's going on here? And so I think I could see, I can imagine that a doctor feels as though I can just walk in the room and say, start this, stop that, we're going right. to your bag of water, we're going to, without explaining why, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so in that part, the doctor needs to be aware of how they're affecting the patient, you mm -hmm. know, and how that's not effective. I don't, you know, right. like you said, every, one of the things that I remember being impressed with when I was doing delivery, a mom will do just about anything you ask her to do if it's going to help her to bring a baby safely into the world. You know, right. it's not often that you get resistance. You tell them, you know, lift up a leg, turn around, lift your bottom in the air, you know, put your mm -hmm. hand down, whatever, you know, whatever. If I need to do it, I'm going to do it. So it's not as though you have people that don't want to be compliant. Okay. But right. if I don't understand why you're telling me to stand on my head, then you're I'm uncomfortable. And yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so and I think we have to remember someone's like uncomfortable and um, you're excited, but you're terrified. You're about to bring forth a human being. Like I think there's this, like when you're used to it, it's your job. And I'm like, but mm. even if a mom is coming in for her sixth baby, is it, she's still scared and excited and nervous, you know, and like helping, you got to address that. And that's where I think we go really wrong is like, there's checklists and computers and all this yes, stuff. And I, it's I like, no I, one's even just looking at mom, like, are you okay? How are you doing? Um, and, and that it's really simple. I think it's even when people talk about race relations and when white people ask me, what do I do? I'm like, just look at a black person and say, how are you? Not how is it being black, just how are you and humanize one another. And I think that's where we've gone wrong with the birth is that mom, when I say center mom, is just check in with her. It's not that correct that she's not going to do what you ask. She just, she feels like her birth is happening to her and where I, that is not okay. What I need women to feel is that they are a part of their birth. Because they're the reason their birth happens. <laughs> like, it's their body, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think we have a, 
um, tended to over-medicalize yes. what really is a normal physiologic process. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think we've over-medicalized our care. And so it, 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 it becomes a crazy experience of tests and IVs and right. this and that all in the name of quality care. And so maybe we need to reassess what is really quality care when mm. you're talking about taking care of a woman during her pregnancy, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. but you know, I, I would also say this, um, I've, you know, been around a lot of OBGYNs and I have yet to meet an OBGYN that wants to deliver a bad baby that wants right. to have a bad outcome. Um, mm -hmm. And even if I don't really care about you, um, I don't want my malpractice to go up. So I am not, yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah. am not, I am not <clears throat> totally indifferent, you know? And so if I can be shown how this will actually help, mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, no, yes, I think, I always want to say in defense of OBs, you guys, nobody wants to be an OB because of your insurance. It's so damn high. You know, it's like a lot on it's your high. shoulders, right? It's a so, very high. Yeah. It's, you know, I think second only to neurosurgeons in terms of the cost. And it's like mm -hmm. car insurance. If you have an accident, your premium's going to go up. And mm -hmm. so for that reason, if for no other reason, OBs are willing to do whatever it takes to help to have a good outcome. Mm -hmm. so, there just needs to be more conversation. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And trust. It's just like, I think everyone's on edge. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of misunderstanding. And so it puts people on the defense. But the way I say it as a doula, like, I've had nothing but positive experiences. And my first baby was intense you know like the mm. baby was blue and I was like really god we're not gonna do this on my first oh. but and I remember that that OB was not so pleased about me but I it was like when you're invited to someone's home for the first time the way this way I look at it I am always like I'm gracious I it's not that I'm making myself small, but I'm being invited to the table. I do my thing, I step back. It's like a dance. And then they see what I'm providing is helpful mm -hmm. to mom and baby and partner and the room. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, you keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I remember she was, she, was, she was tough, but I just kept, I was quiet, I did what I did my thing. And then she's like, no, 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 no. Keep doing what you're, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing what you're doing because <laughs> it's working. Yes. And so then it was like, you know, luckily now she's going to be a fan of doulas. So, mm -hmm. and I also think doulas need to understand they're not always necessary. Maybe partner's doing enough. Maybe mom is okay without anyone's hands and noise, right? Or whatever. I call it doulas have like our Mary Poppins bag, but my Mary Poppins not, might not even need to open. Uh, and so stop trying to make yourself useful. You might be useful quiet in the corner. Uh, 
you know, so each yeah. birth experience is very different. And so again, it's, I laugh, you know, as, as a yoga instructor, I feel like I'm kind of different. And I, a lot of people say that because it's, I'm not making it about myself. <laughs> you cannot enter a space and make it about you. It is about mom and baby in this instance, right? Yeah, I, and if you're in service, absolutely then we right. need to remind ourselves we are in service as doctor, nurse, you know, midwife, whomever. You're in service of mom and baby. And if we all keep that in check, we're good. She's awesome. Thank you for listening to Black Women's Health. We have more to come.